Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. As always, you are joined by me, Rick, and my wonderful co-hosts, Alex and Paula. Hey. Uh, this week, as with... <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> Just want the people to know that I'm alive. <laughs> hey, you guys! <laughs> I am alive. All right, <laughs> This week, <laughs> as always, we're going to talk about what we've beaten, retired, and been playing. As always, we're going to have a topic. This week, it is remasters. We're being quite topical this week because uh, in case any of you missed it, there's a little game called Skyrim that's uh, coming out again. Uh, more on that later, though. And, and we GTA will finish too. up GTA. And yep, there's yep. literally going to be no time for a question. Uh, <laughs> we know that well in advance, knowing what we're like. So we're going to not even promise that at the outset. And we're just going to go straight to what, if we're honest, you've all come for anyway. How long to beat, long to beat the, the game. game? Two and a half of us went for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> oh, you were too ready on the introductions and then you weren't ready enough on the how long to beat yeah. the game. You get one. You get one. None of else. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, how long has it taken you to beat all the things you've beaten, Alex? Let's, uh, let's not bury the lead. Tell us all about all the things. Yeah, so I've beaten a lot. Uh, just so people know, like I have like a vacation week before I go back to my BED. So right now I'm just I'm just working at the moment, but I, I only teach part time in the evenings, so it's like not that bad. So I've been playing a lot of games over the last while, um, and I've just gone through a shit ton. Not, they're not all very long though. To be fair, I beat Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening on the Switch. I don't have a lot to say about this because like it's a replay. I love this game a lot. It's excellent. Um, it's one of the only Zelda games I've ever replayed. Like I've played Link's Awakening now. This is probably the third or fourth time I've played this game. Um, second time I played the replay, like the remake. Um, and I've played the the original Game Boy one. And it's just so, it's so lovely. The whole thing is just, it's so cute. It's so kind of gorgeous. It, it is obtuse as shit at times, I will admit. Like even if someone has replayed it many times, there are moments where I go, wait, the fuck am I supposed to do now? <laughs> You're like... Oh, right, I gotta go do that really random thing where I have to go visit that library in order to find out the... You know, it's like stuff that you're just like, how would I have known that I'm supposed to do this? Like, there's not even an indication that you're supposed to do that anywhere. So you just kind of have to, like, figure it out, I guess. But the world's so small that I think they kind of assume, like, hey, you can go explore and you'll figure it out. Um, I do love, I love, 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 love that like the big quest that takes you all across the game, like the big exchanging quest where you like keep exchanging items to people. I, like it's kind of dumb, but at the same time, it's just so much fun because it makes that whole world feel like lived in. Cause you're like meeting people here who's like, Oh, I need that thing. And then you're switching it off. And like, I don't know, there's something kind of quaint about it. Cause it's like, not that it could be annoying if you get stuck to be fair. Like you definitely want to be talking to everybody as you're playing the game, because if you get to a point where you're like, shit, I need an item. And then you have to like backtrack this like exchange quest. That could be real annoying. Um, but mm. on replays, it's just really cute. Um, so anyway, that was Link's Awakening on the Switch. Uh, good time. I highly recommend it. Uh, I also beat Osu Tatakae Uedan, which is this. It's 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 before Elite Beat Agents, right? So Elite Beat Agents is the Western version, um, and this was the game that kind of popularized, it, well, created the reason we have Elite Beat Agents. Um, it basically means like, sir, fight cheerleading squad like that's like basically the name because like oh are 
a cheer group essentially and it's like big burly dudes in these like black uh suits you can see how they turned it into agents because like they wear these like black suits for cheer but like you could tell that turns into like a suit and tie easily for the agents one um i'll put it this way like elite beat agents is the best of them because it's in english and you'll be able to understand it but that being said um this one's never been translated either because you almost don't need to like as long as you can see the numbers to do the the motion you don't need to at all and it's comic book style like i i have a decent understanding of written japanese so like i can read it fairly well so i understood to an extent but it's pretty fast so even i was missing stuff but like i understood the gist of the story um but also the problem is that it's all in pictures so to redo the text you would have to literally recreate all of the image it would be a fucking nightmare like Mm. to try and retranslate this um as just a project and because it's so not worth it anyway because it's a rhythm game it's like there's no point you might as well just play it you'll have a really good time. The songs are bangers. I mean, they're all Japanese, but like they're good and they were fun. And I was like, I'm digging it. Um, obviously, Elite Beat Agents has English songs, like they're covers of popular songs. But... but it's also got a pretty shit track list. Like the only one that jumps out at me, because I played that game and thought it was pretty meh, was um, Earth, Wind and Fire September. Yeah. That was the only song that I remember being like, oh, this is a bop. And yeah. all the other songs were like, oh, all right. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I, I liked it mostly because I love the rhythm game style of it. Like, I, I'm a big fan. It's, it's very fun. Like, I, I got really good at Leap Beat Agents. Like, I beat that game on the impossible setting um, because I fucking loved it so much. And it's it's hard, man. It gets really hard at a certain point. Um, so, yeah. But not impossibly, so. No, exactly. Not quite. <laughs> nice. There's also a sequel, which is it's just called, like, more Moru something something you know and on so it's just more of it um i'll probably play that as well because i i hacked my um soft modded my 3ds so i was like you know what i've always wanted to play this game so here we go because i loved elite beat agents as a kiddo i'll probably replay elite beat agents actually now that i've gotten into it, it takes a couple hours it took me like may i did it in one sitting it was like two to three hours or something like that and i just beat it and i was like oh okay <laughs> It is a short completion. I remember it being a couple hours as well. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get real good at the game, yeah, it takes longer, but you can beat it in one sitting. <laughs> well, no, yeah. uh, I also beat um, Fire Emblem, the Blazing Blade. I like Fire Emblem. I do. But like... But... <laughs> you know, the... Is, is this one of those cases where you say, play it, but complete it? Yeah, honestly. Honestly. Because well, there's no point. Like... You can complete it. It's fine. But like, okay, this is the the inherent issue with Fire Emblem. And I actually think the newer game has fixed this quite a bit. But, okay, the conceit is that obviously if a unit dies, they're gone forever. So this introduces some interesting uh, wrinkles into the game design of Fire Emblem. Because on one hand, I barely know anyone who has never reset when a person has died. Because <laughs> it's just like, that's how you play the game. You're like, no, I would not allow it. Especially because you're going to miss stuff, right? So you don't want them to die. But then there are some who will play it that way. Which means that, realistically, you don't want to, like, soft lock your game, right? Like, you, you want to make sure that people can beat the game if they lose units. So you're introduced to new units as you go along. But eventually you hit a point where they always have like a major boss near the end of the game who's just like so stupidly powerful that they basically just have to give you a dude who can beat it. Like that's like essentially it. And you kind of have to like find like how do I cheese this shit? Uh, so like I've never been a huge fan of that because like 
what's so enjoyable about Fire Emblem is the strategy, right? It's like the tactics. It's it's planning out your stuff. And then you get to the end thing where it's like, all right, which of my fucking units is super strong and has a stupid spell that's really fucking broken? Oh, this one? All right, that's the guy I use. You know what I mean? Like It like gets to that point where you're like, it's not even strategy anymore because it's one powerful unit, right? Which is like what's annoying because you can't obviously use all your units at once. So anyway, I don't know. I just found the end of this game. I was like, I'm just doing this so I get roll credits basically now. Um, everything else was crazy fun because it's Fire Emblem and I love it. But yeah. Near that end there, I was like, and I'm noticing with these earlier Game Boy Advance games, you might as well just pick a couple people you really like and only ever use them because then you're just going to level them up really well and you're going to get through nicely because like what I found near the end was like, I was doing a thing where I was experimenting with units and then I was like, oh, I've kind of fucked myself. I have to grind now because I can't kill things. So I was like, great. Um, So yeah, I don't know. They give you multiple freaking types of units. You know what I mean? Because it's the multi-wheel thing. There's like, here's all your horsemen. You obviously only need one or two. Here's all your archers. You should only use one. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because they're going to need all the experience they can get. Anyway, I don't know. Did you play this one, Paula? I don't know. You, ha- you haven't played the GBA ones yet, have you? The Blazing Blade, actually. I played about seven or eight chapters of oh, the... Oh, you did the Lin campaign. Of the, the Lin side yeah and i was having so much fun and i had to mm-hmm. um t- turn on turn off my console and then i turned it back on again and the save what's gone so oh, fuck. the lynn campaign's fun and then the you know the the ella wood campaign is fine it's, it's dragons you know it's fire Emblem. it's gonna be about <laughs> dragons like that's just what like as the more fire Emblems i play i'm like oh they're all exactly the same okay <laughs> and i think that's why i like the 3ds ones and like moving onward because it seems as though they were starting to change at least like the stories were a little different but i noticed the earlier ones had very similar plot points um but i don't know maybe that'll change i am gonna play its sequel which never came out here the binding blade with roy um also what a what a how shitty must that have been if you were playing the GBA back in the day? Because like Melee was out, I think, or or was soon to be out. And you would have known who Roy was. And so you play this game and at the end they're like, and here's, because anyway, this isn't a spoiler. Ellawood is Roy's father. That's It's a prequel. Um, maybe it is a spoiler. I don't fucking know, but who gives a shit? It, the, the main characters in these games are nobodies. They're, they have no personalities. <laughs> they're just they're just heroes, uh, to be honest. Not to, not to put too much shade on the game. But like Ellawood is just like, I am a righteous dude. He's like that kind of guy. Hector is interesting. Um, it's always the side characters. The main one's not as much. But anyway, at the end of the game, they're like, and here's Roy. And it's like setting up for the next game. Like it really, really specifically sets up for the next game. Like explicitly so. And it never came here. So like if you, I imagine if you were a kid playing this, you're probably like, oh, like excited for the next thing. <laughs> it's just like, sorry, kid, you'll never get to know. <laughs> or be yeah, like out of your own point because you're like, oh, the characters are nobodies, but also they put a lot of effort into setting the nobody up. Yeah, no, no, no. The main <laughs> character, the main character, that's the thing. Uh, the other okay. characters, I actually think, are fairly interesting. Like, um, the villain they were setting up, actually, I'm like, oh, cool. That's like a, that's kind of like a character you meet in uh, in Fates. And I was like, oh, I'll sick. retract my sass then. I'll, I'll yeah. reel it back in. No, that's my fault. I should be more specific. <laughs> Sorry, Paolo, were you going to say something? <laughs> oh, out of all the GBA games to not localize they didn't localize the right one. I like know. the one character besides Parth that was known out of the Fire Emblem games at that point 
right? It was Roy. Like, or why yeah. not? Yeah. Why not, like, make Elliewood, I don't know. You could have made a skin, honestly, in Melee of Roy as, as Elliewood. Like, just a color turns it because they look the same. <laughs> I mean, they're a, little di- they're a little different, but, you know, red-headed. Um, anyway, I hear Sacred Stones is the best of the GBA ones. Um, so I look forward to that. I think I'm just going to very slowly play these games. Like, I'm going to take a break for a little while. Because the beauty of this is, like, you could race through all the Fire Emblem games and hate them. Or it's like there's so many of them that like I can just slowly sprinkle a Fire Emblem game every few years or like every couple every few months, you know what I mean? And be like, oh nice, come mm-hmm. back to it. Um, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna prioritize the Game Boy Advance ones and then I'll I'll hit up the two uh, the two DS ones because I got a translation for the one that never came here. Because um, there was yeah, because on the DS there was two as well, but only one came here, and that was the one with Martha. And then there's another one that was kind of like a, a sequelish something. I don't know. Anyway. Didn't come. Yeah, remakes of the first two, isn't it? And the first yeah. one got a localization. The second one's just a fan. Well, the second one, yeah, because it's weird. The official second one is Shadows of Valencia, because that's the remake of the second game. The 3DS, one, yep. yeah, yeah, but it's like I can't remember. It's like thirdish or something. I don't know. The, the the order of the games is strange. There's two games that never really have had a remake. There's Thracia Seven Seven Six, I think, or something like that, which just never had one. And there's like another one after that, like two SNES games that have never been remade. So hey, those might be coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. I was trying to think. Uh, it was the original Fire um, Fire Emblem, then uh, Tales of Valentia, then um, Mystery of the Emblem, and that has a yes, DS the remake. New Mystery of the Emblem. That's the one that never came here. Yeah, uh, Thracia. There was another one, I think, and then it was like the um, the Roy game, the. Um, the Link game and the Sacred Stones game. Yeah, it's um, Genealogy of the Holy War. Um, that one. That, name rings that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that never got a re-release. Never got a remake. And Thracia Seven Seven Six. Yeah, those two are the ones that have never had a, a remake, or like before the GBA era, basically. Um, uh-huh. Just never, never had anything done on them. But they're on the SNES, so I, I bet they stand out pretty good on their own, honestly. And I'm sure there's translation patches of them out there somewhere. Yeah, but I, I actually think I got the translation patch for those. So. Oh, there are translation patches, actually. Yeah, there was one released in 2016 for Genealogy of the Holy War and one in uh, 2019 for Thracia, Thracia or whatever. Um, in fact, I think all of the Fire Emblem games are either in English or have translation patches. So um, hit them up. And I've never played the GameCube one. I've never played Radiant Dawn. I hear it's real easy and real slow because of the animations, but I'll, I'll get there someday. <laughs> Maybe if I get a Steam Coming up next on the Fire Emblem podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, Fire Emblem's dope shit, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I love those games. They, they click with me for some reason, right? Like Final Fantasy Tactics never clicked with me, but it's, a, it's amazing. I hate it, yeah. Oh, you didn't like it? Yeah, I didn't like it. I love, I love strategy RPGs, but I've tried Final yeah. Fantasy Tactics a couple of times and it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, there's just some that don't work, but Fire Emblem, there's something about it. The the like medieval-ish thing, I dig it. The wyverns, all the pay, like it's cool. You know, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, okay, yeah, so that was uh, that was Fire Emblem. Almost there, three more. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also beat The Ascent, which I, I don't have a lot to add. Uh, real fun. That's a fun game. That's a solid 7.5 game, you know? like Music to my ears. Yeah, and the, the music also in that game is awesome. Like, whenever you get, like, a boss wave thing, it's like, and you're just like, dope. Like, it's just real good. Man, there's a thing you get partway through. It's not really... Okay, I don't know. Maybe this is a spoiler, because it's 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 a weapon upgrade. Yeah, I don't know. Not really. I'm going to be playing real soon, so... Okay, okay, fine. Let me just say, there's a... 
here, this is all I'll tell you. There's a tac- There's a thing called tactical, like um, your tack weapon thing, which can be like a grenade, can be like a bunch of different things, like a sentry drone, all that sort of stuff. At first, they're going to seem useless, and you're not going to want to put skill up points into those. Put skill up points into them, because at one point, you're going to get something that basically breaks shit in the best possible way, and is fucking okay. dope. Uh, and it, it just fully transforms you. So anyway, like that game, not that long. I, I spent like maybe 14, 14 hours or so with the game. Um, I didn't really do, I did like half of the side quest and then I just stopped. I was like, I don't give a shit. Um, cause they're not that interesting, but the main story, like the story is not interesting. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of dumb. It really doesn't use its main character at all. Um, but the gameplay is great and it is very fun. So highly recommend the ascent, especially if you have game pass, like game, fucking load that shit up, have a good time. Um, and even if you don't, it's a good time. Uh, speaking of Game Pass, I've also played a few other Game Pass games, and these two are actually really interesting companions in, in a way, because I played Blair Witch, because it's leaving, so by the time you're listening to this, it's probably gone, um, or there's like two days, no, it's gone for sure, I don't know, maybe not, it's gone the 31st, who knows when you're listening, <laughs> um, and I also played 12 Minutes. Now, both of these games are like, they're like in that 6 to 7-ish rating-ish area, you know, like they're in that kind of place but they're also but they're wildly different in enjoyment so Blair Witch um it's it's not like a remake of the movie or anything it's a, it's a unique story set two years after the Blair Witch movie now I also have to say like the Blair Witch films they're they're okay like as horror movies they're not actually that amazing I would actually say that Blair Witch is more important to film history than it is as like a good movie um, because it really like revolutionized the concept of like the found footage film. Like there had been films like that before, obviously, but that was the one that kind of like broke through and like hit sort of the mainstream, right? And nowadays, and so let's you... explain Cloverfield. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like, Cloverfield was kind of like in that other sort of like thriller area, of, um, and but of course Cloverfield came after Blair Witch, right? So it's like yeah, it's like five or six years after, if not yeah, more. yeah, and Chronicle as well, right? Like those sort of movies. So they love they, Chronicle. Yeah, it's great, yeah. right? Um, but um, Blair Witch kind of did it for the horror genre, and so if you watch it nowadays, it's you probably will be a little bored and it won't find it very scary, um, but. This game, I honestly think, like, they did this thing where they had a concept, right? Where it's, okay, Blair Witch. Blair Witch is all about this witch who controls the woods. When you enter the woods, you are, on, you are like, taken onto the domain of the witch. And it's ingenious because the game is about the witch's control over you, which is exactly what a fucking game does. Like, you follow the instructions of a game. And, like, it... <gasps> I, it's it's perfect there are technically multiple endings though you're probably going to get one ending on first go because it's basically the ending you get for following the instructions of the game and i love it like some people might be kind of i've, I've seen complaints about it where they're like well why can't you get the other one and i was like well bro like what's the point of this game like <laughs> the point of this game is that you're being so like no you shouldn't be able to just like know like what do you want do you want the game developers to like give you little dialogue boxes that say you could do this to get this or this to-? i was like that's fucking stupid <laughs> like you don't want that come on don't lie to me like if they did that everyone would hate it now it's bloober team so bloober team is a bit mixed like i don't think you'll like this game rick but yeah. i really loved it um and it has a mixture of things, though. Um, it has Alan Wake-style combat at one point. Uh, it's like um, flashlights, but no guns or anything. You just have to hold the flashlight. But you have a dog companion who's awesome. You get to customize your dog. Um, and the dog sort of, like, finds things for you. Um, depending on how you treat it, it'll affect the ending. Um, 
and you can kind of call them. You can pet the dog. You can do a bunch of commands with the dog. Um, and the dog will also indicate beautiful timing. Yeah, beautiful timing. Cat appears as we're talking about this. <laughs> pet the dog. Paula's just stroking a cat. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, she wants attention now. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> Which also your dog wants, and you can give your dog uh, doggo treats. You don't have to, but you have little snacks. And I loved it. I was like, I'm going to give you all the treats, doggy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's it's kind of like a walking sim, but it does have light puzzle elements. And I'd say it's actually strongest in its first. It's like third of the game because you're going through the woods and your flashlight and you're like trying to figure out where things are. It's easy to get lost in the woods, but I was never lost for very long. Like I beat this game in like one sitting of like four hours or so. Um, and it was excellent. Well, I mean one sitting and one day, but split up a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I really loved it. it. It does get a little bit like near the end of it. They, they show off a little bit like because, you know, Blair Witch has that house in it. And so you can imagine there will be something with an interior and it's pretty fucking cool. Like they do some cool shit with it. But you're also like, all right, folks, let's wrap it up. <laughs> you know, Like we're going a little, <laughs> we're going a little long on this set piece here. But yeah, overall, for me, it's like a seven game. But like a like, you know, like one of those like real strong ones. Right. Because there are little things here and there that you're like, mm. Um, I hear performance is rough as shit on the Switch. It worked great on my um, on my Xbox, um, and it looked awesome. So like, I don't, I don't know. I I think if you're gonna play it, don't do it on the Switch. Maybe. I mean, it might have been fixed, but I heard around the time there was issues. Um, I didn't even think it was on Switch. That's news to me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, anything more new than two years old that's not a Nintendo IP or an indie, you're probably going to be pushing your luck to try and run a Switch. Anyway. Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly. I was like, maybe just don't. <laughs> um, I played it with headphones on. Highly recommend that. Um, it's super fucking mm-hmm. good with those on. And it's pretty spooky. Like, there are some moments where I was like, oh, shit, okay, not bad. It's not scary. It's spooky. It's atmospheric. And the story is incredible. So they did this thing which... Oh, yeah. Let's talk about 12 minutes. So, because <laughs> Blair Witch does this thing where it takes a concept... And it explores an incredibly interesting human story through its horror elements, right? And it's about PTSD and about like, uh, like because you're playing as a veteran. It's not a spoiler. The beginning of the game says like this game deals with PTSD and combat violence. So just like be warned. Um, so it deals with cycles of violence. Um, and it uses this horror setting in order to interrogate these themes and it was one of the most sophisticated looks at it I have ever seen from a game, like, ever. I was like, holy shit, good job. Now, there's some stilted dialogue in the beginning that I was like, oh, okay. Um, but as it went on, I was like, wow, this is like a, a nuanced take on, like, violence, the c- cyclical nature of violence, and, like, um, the realities of trying to get over, like, anyway, I was like, wow, cool. Um, 12 minutes, on the other hand. this is like one of those low sixes, you know, where like this game, oh, fuck, fuck. So it's, I wanted to like this so much. It's such a cool idea, right? Like it's a point and click adventure game in a time loop. Um, So it's very much point and click. And the idea is that everything you need for the game is in this one little apartment. It's also an insane apartment. I was like, they don't have a TV. What the fuck's up with this? But anyway, um, (laughs) so I know some people don't have TVs, fine, but you know, um in my world that seems insane and they just have a couch against a wall and there's just like a, a kitchen table in front of it and i was like why do you even have a couch? anyway whatever um so <laughs> um so also like okay because it's daisy ridley james mcavoy i think and like willem dafoe right willem dafoe yeah fucking dope 
The other two are good, but like they had them do American accents. So like, look, they're they're fine when they do the American accents, but like, obviously, if you're getting those three people, the reason you're getting them is because of their names and their star power, right? And yeah. then you make two of them sound like fucking anyone. <laughs> it could have been anybody. Albeit, credit where it's due, James McAvoy's got an incredible range of accents and, oh. and stuff like that. Daisy Ridley, I, I don't know because I've not actually seen her in anything. They I'm both really did phenomenally well. Like, they're both great. It's totally okay. fine. It just, the whole time, because you've been told so many times who it is, like the opening of the game shows you who it is, you're like, okay, but why? Right? Like, if I see James McAvoy and he's doing an American accent, cool. But, like, if you're getting them as voice talent, just let them do their fucking voices. Like, <laughs> this game is so stupid, I would not have questioned two. And they, it would have been fine. Like, Willem Dafoe could have been not from fucking where they're from. Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no reason they all have to talk the same. <sighs> anyway, that's such a minor point. The story is so fucking stupid. Like, it is grade a dumb um especially where like and i won't spoil anything but i'm just gonna say this i've seen this story in my college screenwriting class done so poorly like it's a it's straight up a college screenwriting course um script in the worst in the worst way possible um it does zero things with its uh, with its uh, concept in fact by the end of it you don't even understand how the concept plays into it in any way, shape, or form. There is no thematic unity. Like, yeah, like, it, it, trust me, when you finish it, you're like, what was the fucking point? That's well, disappointing. It's extremely disappointing. Like, and, and I, I'm going harsh on this because I'm honestly, it's just disappointing. Like, it's just one of those things where you're like, this had a lot of potential. This is just sad at this point. Um, so, yeah, that's my experience with it. I beat it in like three to four hours. Fucking, I saw some people saying it takes seven to eight. If you spend seven to eight hours on this game, you might want to shoot yourself because, like, you're going to have a hard, very sad time with this game. Like, that, that's what? a game reviewer playtime, is what that is. It is, yeah. It was yep. actually IGN, like, Ryan McCaffrey was talking about two to seven to eight hours. And I was like, bro, what the fuck? You took you seven to eight hours on this game? What were you doing? Like, like and how frustrated were you? I looked up one hint because I got stuck at one point. Like, maybe that's why, because he couldn't look anything up because he's fucking reviewing it. And he's like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, but then also the reviewers all talk to each other about stuff like that. So I feel like it equalizes out. Yeah, you'd think if you had a problem, you'd have been like, bro, what's going on? Anyway, uh, don't don't play 12 minutes. Just don't do it. Because you could just watch something if you wanted. But like... Yikes. Yeah, it's not it's not fun. And the, and the control's not really that much fun either. I mean... I get it. It's a fucking point-and-click adventure thing, but it would have been nice if I could just control the guy. Anyway, whatever. I, that doesn't matter. So anyway, those are all the goddamn games I've played. Why don't one of you take it away? <laughs> Tell me what you got going. <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump in just to continue the disappointment because I played Metal Slug 4 mm. this past week, and it is worse than the Neo Geo Pocket Metal Slugs. I'm just going to come out and say it. It is the laziest entry in any series I can think of in recent memory. It's basically like the normaler parts of one to three collaborated together again. And the new bits they add are just so stupid. So like in a couple of the levels, there's a section where you get on the back of a truck and the truck's like moving, obviously continually to right, but like within the, the plane of the screen is moving left to right a little bit and you have enemies coming down. What it means is you're just functionally committed 
to like three characters widths worth of space while you're firing all the shots. And then fighter jets come and they fire rockets that you can't really shoot out the sky and you can't really avoid either. Um, and that bleeds into the other problem, which is and probably the main reason why I liked this so much less than the Neo Geo Pocket games. It's just so unbelievably cheap mm-hmm. in the way that it makes player deaths happen, in the situations that it puts you in, in some of the boss design in some of the level design, in a lot of the level design, actually, particularly in, in what was possibly the only new area, which is there's like a snowy tundra level, which visually was nice, but that was also probably where the level design was at its absolute worst. So balance itself out wonderfully. It really feels like it was thrown together. And, and given the history of SNK Playmore and when this game came out, it probably was just mm. thrown together. Um, and, and the cheapness doesn't necessarily matter a lot in the sense that i'm playing this via the anthology collection so i have infinite lives anyway but that doesn't make it any less frustrating because obviously you lose your weapon pickups you lose your bombs and it feels like it puts you in no-win situations in the worst traditions of the arcade uh haven't really got a positive thing to say about it just did not like it at all and i hope that five's a smidge better when i get around to it eventually on flip side i finally completed a game called Chicken Wiggle for the 3DS. That's a great name. So, It's a great name. It's a wonderful little game. So it's from the same guy uh, behind Mutant Muds, Jules Watson. Um, he also did the Dementium games that I recommended to you for the DS. Um, so it's like a little 2D platformer. It sort of did the Mario Maker thing a couple of years after Mario Maker. So it's very heavily designed around its level editor which unfortunately seems inaccessible now. I haven't been able to access it at all, but I've got a bit of a bit of a history with this game. So I never picked it up when it originally dropped on the 3DS eShop. Then uh, Watchem's current company, Atui, announced a limited run release of the five games that they made for 3DS. So the two Mutant Muds titles, a little puzzle game called Bomb Monkey, something else. I think it might have been... Um, Zeo Drifter, the little Metroidvania yeah, thing they did, and Chicken Wiggle. So I thought, well, I'm not going to get Wiggle I'll, on its own. I'll, I'll get the Atui collection and play it. I should note at this point that the Atui collection 3DS cartridge is North American region. So I can only run the cartridge on my hacked 3DS. Mm. On the penultimate level of Chicken Wiggle, it crashes my 3DS custom firmware on the chip version. So... For, for about 15 months, this game has been sat in my to-be-continued tab with two levels left to play. So, anyway, a few days ago, I decided to just fuck it and download the game on its own, play through it again, and see if, the, uh, if it was just the chip that was causing that exception. Turns out it was. Um, the two levels that I hadn't played were a rubbish boss battle and like a, one of the weaker levels. So it's a little bit anticlimactic in that sense. But the game as a whole is utterly charming lots of fun not especially challenging but it's just a really nice breezy platformer with quite a unique um grapple mechanic that's justified by the little worm that your little chicken not chicken what's the word for baby chicken the specific word chick that's the one <laughs> uh, why was i making that more complicated it's so you've, you've got a little chick he's got a worm in his backpack and the worm's your grapple hook. And that's like the, the unique mechanic of the game. And they do a lot with it. The levels are all varied. The levels are very fun. Um, if the editor still worked, I could imagine myself playing loads of community levels 
if it sounds like it's your thing, I'd say don't worry about the 3DS release because they are making like a HD version that's going to come to Switch at some point. So keep an eye out for that. It's an easy one to recommend. Um, I can see myself playing it again on Switch if that you know gives you some idea of the quality. And I was more than happy to play it again a second time to get to the end. So that was nice and pleasant. Nice. And that's me. Paula. Well, I'm going to take it away right now. Um, first of all, I want to cover like the, the, the two smaller games that I've beaten because before jumping into Basta Fellows. Hmm. So the first game I've beaten this week is Among Pipes for Nintendo Switch. And it's pretty much like one of those games where you like rotate um, pipes and, and make Quite like a little yeah. way for, for the water to go through. It has a stupid amount of levels and it actually has um it has like over 300 puzzles. Yeah. I think 312 or something like that are accessible like from the menu. And there are around 20 more puzzles that are kind of like if you beat everything then you have access to those but not from the menu so that was weird. Um, anyways, it's a little puzzle game. Um, the other puzzle game I played that was kind of disappointing because I was expecting something among the lines of, um, Invento, uh, was How Body's Parents Met, a jigsaw puzzle game. And it's pretty much, um, I, I, I guess the story is like the story quote-unquote, is um, retold from the um, point of view from this little grey cat. And pretty much like how these two people met. Like, And you like solve these little jigsaw puzzles on, and unlock the pictures. You have like six puzzles and then like each one has like five levels of difficulty. But I just did like the base six and didn't bother with the rest because it's pretty much the same image um by uh, the the fun part of of the jigsaw puzzle experience is like uncovering the picture you're trying to to, to assemble pretty much and so yeah like unless you like the to build um or to solve jigsaw puzzles like don't bother with this game and what you should be bothering with is, or you should be caring for, is Basta Fellows because holy moly, it's been a while since I've been attacked by the post video game or post completion void. <laughs> like it, it has, it has been a long while since I finished a game and contemplated the roof of my room because I have no idea what else to play for for the next few hours. <laughs> and from mine and Alex's perspective, it's been a while since the uh, I don't need sleep, I need answers gif has made its, uh, has reared its head. So, you know it's good when that one, that one finds its way into oh, our absolutely. little private chat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, I think I'm gonna do like a little summary of the game and then go a little bit more in depth. So, they made me um, a couple of spoilers ahead, so you've been warned. Um, so in Basta Fellows, you take the role of this um, freelance journalist uh, called 
Delta Bridges, and she has pretty much stumbled into what seems to be like some interesting piece of information because she, the way she does journalism is that she likes to like portray like the voice of the people rather than just her own opinion. So she will ask around like different opinions around the same topic. And she pretty much stumbled upon this, um, you could call it like a case or something like that, um, because this one woman uh, who, who, who got apprehended and she's like uh, being prosecuted like at the moment, like pretty much called for her and wanted to do like a little interview about uh, some stuff that was happening. And you see this character like a couple more times during the main story, and you see like these little tidbits of what is happening behind the scenes. And her testimony like really starts um, getting like more and more like relevant as you progress through the various routes of the game, and especially in the final route of the game. So, um, this is a rather interesting Otome game that I have here, because one of the things is it, it, it tries to do that not many Otome games do is like having this sense of that you're like watching like a um, a TV police drama show or something like that, because they not only have like the the front sprites of the characters, they also have like the back sprites of the characters, and the way they uh, set up the scenes kind of like give give it a sense of the uh, of like you are watching the scene play from behind that person sometimes, and you don't only play the game from the point of Dota, you also get the scenes from the point of the other characters. And it does set in a way that is smart because all the characters had like um unique color associated to them. So they use that color for the text windows. And they actually used that in a couple of, of times that was like, oh, that is that is very smart because they give you like a clue in advance of what really is happening before they show you what actually happened. And that was used in great effect, especially like in uh, Shoes Root. Shu is a hitman. He pretty much is a hitman that hunts other hitmen. And by the way, his shirt was like really action packed in many ways and was like very well rounded and well-balanced between like story, the overall theme of the game, and, and the romance with the main character, because, okay, that's my game. Um, and the game centers around, um, I think the biggest theme of this game is about not, not only like immigration and illegal or undocumented immigrants, how they call them, um, but also like how they um how they lived or how they are living in this town called New Siege. Not only that, but it also covers like this organization that Irena kind of um tips you off about. 
and how somehow everything is related in one way or another to what is happening like in the underbelly of the city. So I'm gonna try to go a little random of the game, so bear with me. And if um for anyone who thinks this game is interesting, I think I didn't mention I think I mentioned it before, but Delta has like this time travel um ability that it is an essential point of the game, nor it isn't like the only thing her character does, which is which is very refreshing, but it has also been used very effectively in the overall narrative of the game. So to anyone who is listening and wants to play the game, I pretty much recommend them to skip ahead if you want to go without any spoilers. But I'm going to go a little bit like, not a spoilery, but a spoilerish. So um, you have the main five roads of the game. And you have, first of all, like three things that will tip you off, like where you are going to end up that I kind of appreciate because there are uh, automations that have like a really long, uh, like common route, and then you reach the splitting point, and then you are not where you're supposed to or you want to be. So the first clue is the name of the cat, uh, because there's a cat on the game, and, um, and, and that's awesome. That's a good point on my book. There's also like um, a little comment that. No, there was also um, a moment in the story where, where Toda has to open like an envelope for a thing about the, the magazine or like a, um, a thing for journalists kind of thing. And the and pretty much like the, the character you're already locked on uh, will pretty much like push her to open the envelope. And the third um, cue of where are you gonna end up is pretty much like um, a pool scene where every, everyone is having fun and there's like a couple of friends that arrange a little thing for Toda over there. Um, but that aside, um, there's four chapters in the main, in the, in the common route, and then you have five routes that split from there. And each character has a side A that resolves what is pretty much like the more um i want to say like the, the whatever the mystery or like the the main point of their plot is and the side b which is where most of the fluff is uh, you still get like a bit of um resolution from the side a for some of the routes but it's mostly fluff let's be honest it's mostly fluff and well appreciated fluff because this game is kind of brutal <laughs> so <laughs> you have um, Limbo, the crooked lawyer, who kind of like is a character that sometimes resorts to not really lawful things to solve a case. Um, and he's wrote, he wrote like the main antagonist is pretty much seeking vengeance. And the thing is, is that Limbo is overall like trying to stop like, um, well, it's pretty much human trafficking with, because there are um, immigrants that are getting like sold into the country. 
and stuff happened and pretty much he um he caught a friend like buying into one of the immigrants and stopped him but that pretty much caused said immigrant to die because the the reason why the the other guy was trying to buy the immigrant is to save her life so first of all you get like these situations where there isn't really like a right answer like the i'm gonna say the legal route is not always like the more ethical route or the one route that will save the most lives so the game makes you think about that like a lot the second route that is is just route he is pretty much um trying to find the person who killed her men his mentor, and in the process, he has a list, a list with like the hitmen who pretty much, um, and this is like a weird thing about his route because he kills people, but he's killing people who kills people only for the money, which, okay, but the thing about his route is, is that, um, first of all, it's action pack, and second of all, there are moments where, like, my, my my blood was pretty much freezing out of like uh like a very tense moment in the story and i was like fuck 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 i'm gonna die i'm gonna die i'm gonna die i didn't die but still like the the tension of the route and like the overall plot besides like the thing about his character that didn't you could say it makes sense or not i i i just um pulled suspension of disbelief for this route because otherwise um, I didn't want to like be bitching about the game or about the character motivation or whatever. Um, but I think it was like the most well executed or the most well rounded overall. And it is funny because he and Toad are like polar opposites, but they got to see like eye to eye, and that was like very interesting to see. And then we have like the route, Helvetica. Holy shit. Wait, how many routes are there? <laughs> there are five. I'm going to try to speed through the three remaining routes, don't worry. But Elvetica pretty much is the... He starts as the most superficial character you could ever see in a story. But the buster has layers. Like an onion. But his story has so many layers that it, that it pretty much blew my mind. I don't want to like go into his story too much because... It, that one, especially that one, is something you, like you have to see to believe and to experience the thing. But I didn't expect to like this route as much, or like to even like care for this character as much. But it was a very interesting character to see how he got there and how he pretty much um, goes beyond the story. And Mosu, poor route, he, this was a weird character, but uh, Mosu is pretty much considered to be like the one who keeps the order in the route, in, in the game, in the group. But uh, he is pretty much looking for his um, sister who disappeared a year ago. And in this route, um, he and 
um, Tota and Luca, who is like a police officer that's a friend of Tota, are investigating this case where there has once again been they reported it as, as a suicide, but it happened to be a murder in a school, in a very prestigious school. And then they discover like there has been stuff going on before. And actually, like Moses' sister may be related to whatever is going on here that it seems to be like someone is trying to cover up. And the in in terms of how a police drama would play, like this role was the best on that on that regard. Um, there was a, a little tidbit at the end that was like, why would you bring that up? But it was a very, very well-paced route in terms of the, the mystery that they were trying to tackle. And finally, there was um, Krell's, uh, or Skip Krell's route. And he's like the hacker of the route, of the group, sorry. And... It probably like the 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 one closest in in age to Toda, and they are a couple of gremlins. So outside of of the the tension that he's brought, uh, outside of the case of the of his route, or like outside like any like tense moment, this these two pretty much like are a couple of gremlins that somehow managed to get in trouble always. But his route, um, pretty much like uh, doubled a little bit on his past, and I feel like um, the rest is better left unsaid. But I think it was the most the way this route uses Toda's powers was the smartest way to use the powers I've seen. Uh, in a while, like I won't spoil it, but that moment was Chefkis. <laughs> um, and his side B story is like the most hilarious and more most flappy part of the game, so I totally recommend it. And finally, you have the final route of the game that is called Full Circle. Full Circle is an app in inside the game where people like pretty much like spread rumors, talk about stuff. It's kind of like Twitter, but in, with forums and stuff. And well, things really came full circle in this route because you know finally what really is happening behind the scenes and how everything is connected. And then you have like, instead of like a side B, um, you have all unsigned. Who, that is like the final final piece of the game and piece of the puzzle where Toda pretty much um uncovers the mystery she's been um like for so long has she has been trying to find out what really happened to her brother and she finally discovered it there. And holy crap. This game isn't like for the faint of heart because there's like a little bit of everything. <laughs> like if you don't like like people dying blood or like very I I don't want to say like depressing of um backstories, but back to backstories for characters that suddenly get very real or close 
to home, it, the, this game is gonna hurt you. <laughs> it, it may suck for it, like in the side of its stories, but there were like a couple of times that my eyes like were wetting, weathering up because okay. um, some of the backstories for these characters or some specific moments really hit close to home. And the only thing I can say, like to, to wrap this up, is that Alan Sign not only is an excellent name for the uh, last chapter of the game. But also, I like how it makes a reference to how every character in this game pretty much is like they're closing this chapter in their life once once everything gets wrapped up. Nice. Um, that's probably, so yeah, oh, that's probably a nice way to close this chapter of the podcast. By which <laughs> I mean the uh, the beaten section. So let's my God, move. can you believe it? I apologize, listeners. We all just went on for an hour about what we've beaten. This is going to be a long one. Buckle in. <laughs> no, I guess so sorry. No, it's not your fault. Good, we had like a thousand. The good news is we've not got a question. The bad news is it's my editing week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep. Well, why don't we move on so, to when we've retired? Because um, I don't, I don't actually have much to say on this one. Um, I'll start. I, I retired uh, System Shock Enhanced Edition. Um. <laughs> The remake's coming soon. I, it's just like, it, I, Uwe kind of put a good point where like he mentioned how sometimes playing a unique game like this, it's just kind of fun to have played it. And that's very much how I feel. Like, I'm glad I tried it. And like, I got through the first level. But by the time I got to the second level, I was like, every level is going to be finding the regeneration pod so that I don't get lose hitting security cameras, finding the nodes. That's going to be every single level. And there's like nine of them. And I was like, and it's just going to get harder. <laughs> I was like, uh, I think I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tis better to have played and retired than to have never played at all. Exactly. I am excited to try System Shock 2 though. Uh, just because even from what I've seen, the slight quality of life things they did in that one seem like a little closer. And I am excited to try the remake when it comes out. Because I think if the remake's a little more like, what we would call traditional today in terms of the controls. And I think they've, they've pared down a lot of the weapons. I think it's going to be quite fun. Um, anyway, that was what I did. What about you there, Rick? Yeah, two, uh, two quick retirements for me. So the first was Epic Mickey Power of Illusion for the 3DS, um, which I was compelled to give a try when I was re-downloading Chicken Wiggle. It's not good, yeah. Like I'd heard quite good things about this as a, a fun sort of 2D platformer. It feels like a very by-the-numbers 2D platformer with a shoehorned-in painting thinning mechanic that constantly requires you to pull the stylus out and do a really shitty minigame on the touchscreen where you draw shapes. And it was fun-ish the first time. (laughs) And I got through one level, and I'd painted like 20 things and rubbed out another 10. It's just like, there's no way that I continue on with this. There's just zero chance. It's not... Even if the gameplay was slightly compelling, it wouldn't have been enough to save it. Um, a much better example, and again, that I always love to plug, is Henry Hatsworth in The Puzzling Adventure, where the bottom screen action is A, more meaningful, B, less frequent, and C, at a time of the player's choosing. Mm. Just infinitely better way of doing that concept. Uh, the other game I retired uh, was Bullet Girls for the Vita, and uh, this is the most fan service game that ever did fan service. Yeah, <laughs> it's just girls shooting other girls and <laughs> lots of clothes disappearing. I'd been uh, told right. that it was actually quite a good game. 
it's very dull. Once you've played one level, you've played all the levels. There isn't a, fan, a translation patch. So, like, you've got... There's a translation guide, and the gameplay is basic enough that you can sort of follow it through. But I, I played through... And this is very much sort of what you just said about System Shock. I played through Area 1. There's six other areas. I've had a quick skim through the guide. I know that the levels don't change up. It's just me shooting more girls and more clothes disappearing. So, um, I've, I've had my fill. Um, I've heard the sequel's meant to be quite good, so I'll come around to that eventually. But um, it, unlike up as the game wasn't compelling enough for me to sort of mm. keep plugging away at it. Um, but it's by no means bad. And uh, if you've got a hacked Vita, it's well worth giving a go. Just don't expect anything super compelling, I'd say. Mm. Excuse me. Um, speaking of things that are compelling, week after week, pal, you're compelled to play more of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Of course. What's, what's changed this week? Uh, pretty much I got uh, a tower, so I unlock another part of a map. I've been doing some side quests, train quests, uh, finishing up some trains that I had. And I got all the Korok Seeds on Great Plateau, so that's uh, one area that I think I've done everything to do there. For now. <laughs> <laughs> Until playthrough four, that's all. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I, I don't remember how many areas on the game or how many towers they are. I think it was like thirteen or something like that, or maybe more. Anyways, moving on. Um, Pokemon Leaf Green. I finally got the towers. Finally. Hey. So I even got like a chancy like before towers because I. I had like such a such bad luck with with catching Taurus. I encountered like fifteen Taurus, and number fifteen was like the the lucky winner. So yeah, I I can finally 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 move on from the Safari Zone. I've also been playing Amnesia later, um, mm. and that one is uh, the first fan is for the. Otome game Amnesia Memories. I'm not gonna deep, uh, dive deep right now because time. <laughs> but so far, so good. <laughs> then, and the final game I've been playing is Fire Emblem Echoes Shadows of Valencia. So, Fire Emblem time again. And I've very much gone like through the first couple of tutorials and I forgot how good the tutorials on this game were. Like it explains everything like even like with without being like too on the nose. Like um you you have this one strong unit, but mm. the game tells you like, hey, you may want to give your weaker unit something to do so they can grow up and stuff like that. And I really like that you don't have to use like the master skills to um, reclass your units in this game. So, so far, so good. But have you two guys been playing? Who wants to go first? Oh, go on. I'll, uh, I'll jump back in. So, sure. um, I'll touch briefly first on a game that I'm certain I have finished in time for next week, uh, which is Root Film. It's really, really good. I'll save I'll save all my thoughts for next week once I've uh, once I've hit the end game. But it is great, as I've said for the past couple of weeks, and, and for all the reasons that I've that I've given over the past couple of weeks. It's it's a breath of fresh air in a lot of different ways, uh, and I'm really glad that I bit the bullet on that one on release. Um, been playing more of Wargroove. 
been playing more Vagrant Story. No real change in how I feel about either of those. Um, I've gotten a lot further in the Banner Saga on Android. It's a strange one in that I like the combat a lot. I like the storytelling a bit. The combination of the two, I, I find myself kind of annoyed every time I have to switch, even though I enjoy both of those constituent elements. Mm. And the more I play through, so I'm I'm chunk of the way through chapter four of, I think, seven. So I'm like around about the halfway point. Having actually played some of it myself, I totally get where you two came from, where you said you didn't really feel much of a compulsion to play more of the games. Because the story is interesting, but it's not especially gripping. Um, it, it feels weirdly cookie cutter. And I think part of that's just because of how many protagonists it asks you to follow. They've all got unusual names for a Western reader. Um, you never feel like there's a true protagonist. And I know there are three, but I haven't ever felt a super strong affinity to Rook or Hackor or Ludin or whoever the other one is. And um, I think if it was a pure VN or a pure strategy RPG without changing any of the elements of either of those parts, I think it would be a bit more enjoyable. And that, you know, it's still good. I've rated it a seven. I think it's probably just more of the Metroidvania problem where there's just so many incredible strategy RPGs. Um, Just being good isn't quite good enough, unfortunately. And some of that will also be just coming to it eight years late. Like, obviously, it, it rode that Kickstarter wave, uh, and there was a lot of hype and excitement around it for that reason. It probably isn't being done a disservice by being sort of shorn of that. Well, I remember playing it when it came out, and it really was like kind of interesting and unique because I think there had even been I remember. Fire Emblem Lull at that time too, you know, and it was like, mm. or or either you just weren't playing that. So like if you weren't on a Nintendo system or something, it was like, well, what the shit were you going to play, right? Like there was nothing. Um, yeah. At the time. I mean, obviously there were things, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's like if you're on PlayStation or something, like that was what you got. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. It probably doesn't hold out quite as well now. No, it, it, it's very much sort of fine TM. It's one of those. Uh, I've played a bit more of Kine, uh, the musical jazz puzzler. Mm. And I've got it working on Moonlight again, which is a great help because it's a nice one to just sort of play curled up in bed for a bit before you sort of drift off. Um, it's just really pleasant. Uh, I don't know that I, I touched too much on the mechanics properly when I spoke about it last week. So it's like a grid-based get item A from start point to end point kind of game. A bit like um, Steven Sausage Roll, that that kind of game. Um, it, if you know what that game is, you probably <laughs> like this genre. Um, even if you don't like the aesthetic and the visuals um, and the, the charm that it has about it, I think do elevate it a little bit as someone who's not normally into that kind of game. Um, also helps that when I got it, I got it with one of those uh, very generous epic will give you £10 towards any game and the devil get the full amount vouchers. So that was a nice bonus as well. But it's good. I, I do think I'll stick with it at least for a little bit longer, uh, maybe even finish it. It is very, very enjoyable. Um, and then finally, I have uh, started a replay of Valhalla or VA11 Hall A um, for the Vita. Uh, this is like one of the most acclaimed indies. It's like 99% overwhelmingly positive on Steam. Um, and it's a real charm. And my original playthrough is back in 2018. Uh, I got the worst ending because as with real life, I did a terrible job of managing my money. 
And um, yeah, I'd, I'd always meant to come back to it and, and do a playthrough and get like the proper endings because the, the, the bad ending sort of shears you off a little bit before the, the, the proper end of the game. Um, but when you do a new game plus, you keep all the stuff you bought um, and I think all your money that was in the coffer from the previous time. But you, you start off with all your shit anyway. So I'm in a good position to have enough money to sort of get the proper endings this time. And I'm looking forward to playing it again and doing that. None of its charm's been lost in, in the near three years since I played it last. Um, and the, the, the soundtrack still slaps uh, by Garad, and that's all available on YouTube and Bandcamp. Even if you don't want to play the game, if you like sort of vaporwave, retro-y, synth-pop music, it's some of the best going. So that's me, Alex. What yeah. have you been playing? I'm really curious to hear about Tomato Adventure first. Yeah, um, this game's awesome. So this is the Alpha mm. Dreams, Alpha Dreams second game, I think, because their first one was an untranslated like Pokemon esque battler thing that apparently was quite good. But this one, Tomato Adventure, uh, it'd been untranslated for years, and I think just this year got a trans fully like playable translation. And I have to say, this translation yeah. is really good. Like. Like, the writing is excellent. And, like, I mean, obviously, like, part of that is, you know, Alpha Dream's original writing is very funny and good as well. But, like, they've really done a good job translating it. And it also feels, you know, sometimes these translations, for better or worse, sometimes they can be a little stiff. And then other times, this is one of those examples where it's, like, you can tell they are freed from the shackles of, like, Nintendo and, like, the capitalist like oh can we put this in sensation kind of thing not that it's like like the mother three situation yeah Yeah, it's not like it's an edgy game or anything but it's like there is one character who's a pothead who loves pots and wants one for his head like and it's just it's just very funny like i was like that's so dumb it's pretty good right and like the whole thing is like yeah it's really dumb but like i love it i love it i want a good yeah like here it's just and he's green so like you know what i mean like you're right. And I was like, this is pretty good. Um, and the whole game, it's an RPG. Um, but like, it, it, in some ways, it also makes me really sad that they had to go on and make the Mario and Luigi games because like, because it's really neat. And like, their games, like these people have a great imagination and like, clearly, and it's so sad they're defunct now too. I'm like, they're making good shit. Like, this game is not, it's not hard by any stretch of the imagination, right? Like, I mean, th- that's just how it is they've never really been that difficult though i'm sure there's probably a random spike at some point because like a lot of their games have that where suddenly it's tough but the way it works is um you're in this kingdom it's like sort of confusing it's like a kingdom ruled by children um and there's like all of these like anthropomorphic like food and stuff and you're like these little weird creatures and like tomatoes are like the greatest thing in this world um but the ones who don't like tomatoes are called like the the droppers or something like that i can't remember the exact name and so like you're one of those people and they're like we hate you like you people <laughs> like don't like tomatoes it's so weird but like they're the one day of the year they're allowed to like leave this enclosure they're like entrapped in and so like you go out with this <laughs> with this little girl to like go to this like toy ruin it, it's it seems like it's like a weird like post-apocalyptic world where there's only children and there's like living toys and shit it's crazy um and uh it's it's uh, look it sounds it's insane and it's so wonderful and it's so beautiful like it is gorgeous looking it is just beautiful um like pixel art and like 
backgrounds are so colorful. Like it's everything you expect from the Mario and Luigi games just without those two. And that also means that the characters themselves, I find have really great personality because like your main character, who's like main name is DeMille is like, you know, like has text and everything. He's not like a silent protagonist. He's like very much a person. Um, And there's this like dude called like Celestro, I think who's like your tutorial guy. But like, this is the best tutorials I've seen because he just like, he just like stalks you and like appears when you need something from like really insane things. Like at one point he teaches you that you can get like fruits and nuts out of these like things and you go to go to one of them and you're like, what the hell? Like it won't open. And then he just like explodes out of it. Your character's like, oh my God. Like he's just always freaking out because he seems to be able to just like appear at any time and be like, I have things to tell you and like show you how to do <laughs> stuff. And like, it's just, and you can say no to him. Like you can just tell him the fuck off all you want, but like they just find all these creative ways of having him come out. And like your player character is genuinely terrified of this guy. Cause he's like, how did you do that? And it's just, it's just cute. Like, it's just really cute. And, um, it's very much an adventure game as well, right? You're going to all these places. You have to, it's the MacGuffin of you got to get the six things to get the thing. Um, but like, it sends you on that adventure to do it. It's our, a turn-based combat, but like classic, like, you know, the Mario games, there's like, um, you know, hit the A button at the right time to get like a special power up, um, mash the A to like get a thing or like select a card to get the right one. And you have these things called gimmicks. And gimmicks are like t- uh, little um, machinery. And what's really neat about them is they have a limited amount of uses before they reset. Um, And reset just means like you get your uses back. But the thing is, you have like three gimmicks at one time and maybe you can get more later. And they all have different uses. But if one of them gets to zero and you still have other uses, you have to use those ones. So there's kind of this game of like managing your gimmicks and like how, which one am I going to use and at what time? Um, And yeah, it's really fun. I, I really like it. It's like really chill. Again, not that hard, but like, it's just fun to, you know, stumble upon a really unique game um, from a team who's like, makes good shit. And I gotta say, as like their second game, what a confident fucking game. Like, they've they've just been good from the get-go, you know? Like, I don't know, which is also why, again, like I say, it's sort of sad that they like, they're just gone now because like, they've just been a competent studio from the beginning. Um I don't, they don't really have like many bad marks on them except maybe like i don't know paper jam or something but <laughs> again that seems to me like less their fault and more like hey we want you to make Nintendo, yeah. a mario and luigi game with this paper mario stuff and they're like yeah but what <laughs> um i almost feel like nintendo sunk them in some ways but anyway um so yeah that's tomato adventure uh recommend checking it out now that's got the free translation well i mean it has the translation, and that's probably the only way you're going to do it. So just emulate it and have fun. Um, Alpha uh, is defunct for anyway. For real, like, if they weren't going to sell it to you, fucking. Yeah, I mean, plus the studio is literally defunct. So, I mean. <laughs> 20 years later, especially. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 2019, they closed doors. So, because um, they went bankrupt. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, on a happier note, Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective. Oh, man. Woo, woo. This game's fucking dope. I love this yes. game. Oh, it's like that. You know that game we played a, lot, a while back. I think on Itch, like that one where is the room with all the cats and like the ladies die. Yes, I did get out. mad Ghost Trick Ooh. vibes from that one. Yeah, yes. that's like I was like, oh, that's what Ghost Trick is. Just that's ghost literally tr- Ghost Trick. Yeah, yeah, it's just Ghost Trick is more involved. Oh, sorry, Paolo, were you gonna mention something? <laughs> oh no, no, don't worry. Um, I'm I'm getting to that game though, especially since you mentioned that it's like the sixth 
Guts Under, I think it was. Yes, it's that's Guts the Under. One, yeah. Yes, that's it. It's like that. You'll love it. Oh, and the art style is so gorgeous. Like, they've got this stylized, like, almost like Johnny Bravo, sort of, like, weirdly enough. Like, it's got that, like, colorful... Pop arty, cel-shaded sort of thing. Going yeah, on. right? Yeah. And, like, like almost like, like, think, like, Fairly Odd Parents and, like, Danny... Uh, like, fan, like, you know, all those like Nickelodeon ish animated shows from maybe there's more, but without the chunky outlines, yes, but without the chunky outlines, yeah, there's still slight outlines, but not as chunky. But like that kind of art ish style, it's really, it's really gorgeous. Um, and there's so much character in the characters, yes, like the the detective who's like an Elvis guy and he moonwalks <laughs> in and out of every scene and he's doing like a Jeffrey Goldblum dance sort of situation yeah, yeah, yeah. whenever he's involved. Oh. It's wonderful. You, game. you like talk to a Pomeranian at one point who's just like Rocket. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just sitting, I love it. He's like, I must help my owner. <laughs> it's so good. Uh he's like, I will carve my own path. And like starts banging his head against a wall. Anyway, it's it's a great, it's full of character. It makes me extremely sad that this game was not a massive hit and was marketed poorly because Oh, how I wish Shutakumi could have made more of these because they're incredible. But then again, maybe it's also great. It's like, you know what? Lightning struck once. You make this awesome enclosed game and like you go along. But anyway, loving it. I'm probably gonna have it beat by next week because I'm really going through it now. I'm like almost halfway through, I think. Um, And a little bit of context to the listeners at home. So uh, Paolo and I are both planning to jump into it very soon. I think for both of us, it'll be a replay, right? Nope. No, this will be like my first time playing it. Oh, you're in for a treat then. I stitched you up while you were drinking a glass of water, but yes, <laughs> you are in for a treat. Although I am slightly angry with Alex because if he'd waited a month, we could have done Ghost Trick or Treat for October. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't wait. I just needed to play it. <laughs> yes, uh, it's actually yes. biting into my Such a the great opportunity. A- yeah, missed opportunity. It's but it's biting into my great Ace Attorney Chronicles playthrough uh, because you know it's kind of like a novelish game. Um, and so I'm playing the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Loving, I, I beat the first um, the first you know trial, the kind of like tutorialish trial. Um, great. It's more Ace Attorney. Love it. I like the new setting. The music's great. I love the like, you know, the, the like pan flutey sort of, um, you know, stringed instrument like this is old Japan music, but it's Ace Attorney, and you're like, nice. <laughs> um, One of the things that was said, like during a developer interview is that first of all, the music is orchestrated, and second of all, mm-hmm. the each character has like one instrument that represents them and is like more present on, the, on their theme mm. that's awesome i, love I don't know just thought it was cool no, that's great and i have to say this game wow it's it is professor Layton versus phoenix right like they took what they learned from that game like it's it's wild i was like wow that game seriously affected <laughs> like i think he was like yeah let's do this because again there's the multiple um the multiple um witnesses and whatnot i haven't get i gotten to the multiple jurors yet though i'm excited to try that um so anyway playing that i also started up enslaved odyssey to the west tiamat and um god i can't remember who else was it Roy? I, I, someone on on the uh and the discord have been talking about playing this game um a little bit or was it ash i don't know someone it was someone else i just i think it was ash gazer was ash gazer. Uh, yeah okay tiamat have played it quite recently as well yeah and so i when i went home over the holidays like my holiday, I, I found my copy of Enslaved Odyssey of the West, and I was like, oh shit, it's backwards compatible. I should try it out. Uh, wow, it looks good. Like, um, kind of, sh- now it is a bit green and a bit bright, like, and at times, you know, like, 
like games of the era sometimes were they'd have like that weird like kind of fuzziness but like it looks good and it's holding up really nice you know based on odyssey to the, uh based on journey to the west um but like a little bit different obviously but uh i, I just studied journey to the, uh to the west this year actually in one of my classes so i was like oh cool i i recognize like this i mean it's obviously very different it's like post-apocalypse stuff it's probably going to go on the i'll play you later list uh for a little while because psychonauts 2 just came out so like you might not hear about this game for another week or two. Um, but yeah, cool game. Which one has more Andy Circus though? You've got to weigh up the important Is Andy Circus in Enslaved? Who is it? Mm-hmm. Is he is he monkey? Gollum. It's Gollum, it's monkey, yeah. He's monkey. Oh shit. A- any humanoid CGI character Andy Circus probably did the mocap for. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. fair. He's not the voice of him though, is he? I Gollum and Smeagol, yeah, he's he's the voice no, no, of him. No, I know I know that. I, I I was talking about Enslaved. I was like might be. I feel like it might be Nolan North or Troy Baker or one of the other yeah, cookie cutter BA. Um that's really neat. I didn't know that. Um There you go. Knowledge is power. Yeah. That's cool. Uh anywho. Um oh that makes a lot of sense actually. Now that I even look at the character, there is some real anti circus in that <laughs> face. <laughs> uh yeah. That is for sure. Um. So, uh, that's it. Yeah, that that's what I've, that's what I've been playing. Let's move on then to our topic, uh, which what uh, people are going to be re 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 replaying. Yeah, we're talking remasters. So we've heard that um, GTA Three, Vice City, and San Andreas, right? Yeah, they're getting a good old remaster coming out soon. Um. And, you know, Skyrim's being re-released again um, onto next-gen consoles with a bunch of mods and whatnot. Um, so we just thought, why don't, we, why don't we talk a little bit about it? Why don't we talk about it? One thing I will say is I'm interested about the GTA ones because there's no way in hell all the music's going to be in those games. Like, it's not happening, right? Like, Probably not. They, Probably not. I think when they released them, was it mobile or PC or something? They, a shit ton of the music was, wasn't in the game. Um like all those licenses and that's like such a such a such a big part of those games but anyway um, that music licenses can be one of the biggest things that screw over re-releases of, yeah. of one stripe or another um for sure i think the more pertinent comparator though particularly with skyrim being the other conversation yeah. point is gta 5 so mm. um the the question of full price re-release versus like free next gen upgrade which is mm. the path that gta has gone down and obviously sony have paid them a crap ton of money to make it free for anyone who already owns a ps4 full stop i think for the first year or something silly like that there's some kind of deal with bringing it forward on that side of things yeah. um, versus skyrim which um they want you to pay 60 pounds for again because there's fishing this wow. time yeah not yeah. quite. It's not, it's not and quite they're accurate. And bo- they're both PS3 games that are on like the third. Yeah. That's not quite accurate though. You're you can upgrade. Um, you just can't upgrade to their special edition. So like you can upgrade to the the next gen version if you have a previous gen version, uh, for free. Um, but if you want their like extra bells and whistles one, then yeah, you gotta pay. I'm being flippant. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> I, I mean, I have. This... A... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I have a slightly maybe like. Oh, a hot take on these sort of things too though which has been made me accused of being todd howard in disguise but i'm not um, <laughs> but like <laughs> i 
I like that Bethesda put Skyrim on everything. Like, it's just one of these things where I'm like, it's nice that it's just, it's there if you want it. And the game still sells like gangbusters. Like, there's still millions of fucking people playing it. And so, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, porting a game to a new console, it's not, it's not a, it doesn't not cost money. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a, like a, a thing where you just go like, boom, boom, done. Um, and the fact that, see, what I would be upset with is if they delisted old games, right? Like, if they were doing a thing where it's, like, delist and, oh, you got to go buy the new one, then I'd be like, oh, hold on a second. But, like, you can still buy it on all these older systems, and it's on Game Pass and everything, and it's just, I don't know. To me, it kind of feels like if you want to play Skyrim, there's a way for you to play Skyrim, um, and it's it'll be optimized on the thing you're playing it on, right? So it's, like, it's not even just, like, oh, you know, you can just backwards compatibility it. You can do that if you want. I mean, you could do that on mm-hmm. the Xbox if you want. Um, or mm-hmm. you can also get the newer one that they've maybe put a little more love and attention into and has some extra stuff in it if you want, right? Like, and if you love it. I hear you. To an extent, I agree with you. I think that argument is much stronger if it's a £15 release versus yeah. a full £60 release. Because yes, the... The, the next-gen work doesn't happen magically for free. I accept that. But also, you know, you don't need the same kind of people to prettify a game that's already existing as you do to make the fucker. It just it isn't the same kind of money. You're not doing the same marketing because it's been on the market for a decade. It's done itself. I, and the sad thing is, you're right. They do sell gangbusters, and they will sell. sell yeah, gangbusters. I mean, they sell millions I, I have of copies. In my still. real life, we're like, yeah, like it sucks, but I'm gonna buy it again. Yeah, Fuck's it, you're the problem. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I do agree with you on that point as well. Like, I totally. Um, I just get resigned to the fact that it's sort of like the Nintendo thing. It's like, I, I feel like Bethesda goes, yeah. I mean, we could do that. But, like, they'll buy it at 60. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and I think the problem is, like, and, again, this this can get into, like, you know, the this, this stickier shit of, like, um, the capitalism of it all. But, like, there's that issue. Of, yeah, you know, it all comes back to capitalism. But there's also that issue of, like, I'm sure they're looking at it and they're going, like, okay, so we could put it at 15 and the people who would buy it at 60 would still buy it at 15. And the people who wouldn't buy it at 60, they're probably not even going to fucking buy it at 15. You know what I mean? Like, and so they're probably just like, you know what? Put it at 60. Those fuckers who would have bought it at 15, they won't buy it, but who cares? Like, it, we've du- like more than doubled. You know what I mean? Like, and, and not that they yeah. were making that calculation in their brains, but I don't know. Not that that's a good thing or not, but you know. <laughs> I feel like smart delivery is sort of the answer. Like, as someone who's mm-hmm. never owned an Xbox thing, that's a lie. I actually am borrowing a 360 and I have a copy mm. of Lost Odyssey downstairs who's never purchased an Xbox console and until three weeks ago has never had one in their possession. Smart delivery is the way forward because then you want Skyrim? There is one listing of Skyrim. You know, Maybe two if they release a Game of the Year additional web. Uh, yeah, I was about to um, say though, bud, you know what world we live in, right? There's like six versions yeah. of every game. <laughs> yeah, but, Which yeah, is bullshit. Broad, broad brush, that's the version that exists. Yeah. Um, you pay the same price and hopefully they discount it deeper because it's the same thing that's been around for longer. Yeah. And whichever console you have, it downloads the best version for you. Yeah. Which is already sort of what you have on PC anyway. It's just in terms of the console space. That's kind of what you have on Xbox now too. Like when I put my, and I put my enslaved game in, it downloaded it, like it downloaded the version that works best on the, because it's not just strict backwards compatibility. It's like there, 
there's a bit of work that makes sure that it works in there. So it's like the yeah. five gigs downloaded and like it works real nice. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's I I yeah. I just sort of feel kind of like I'm like eh. Let them get theirs, I guess. <laughs> they fucking nailed it. <laughs> I'm yeah. just trying to remember how many ports or re-releases of Skyrim there are, actually. Yes. Because, yes. Yes is the answer. How many ports Yes are is the there? answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, one of the things that, I'm, that I was thinking is that games like GTA, games like Skyrim, do they really need a re-release because of backwards compatibility. If you had the PlayStation version, you can play it on PS5. I mean, okay, they need the re-release because it makes the the company money, but there are other games that I feel would benefit from uh, the, the re-release or remaster yeah, anything more. I think that's always the conundrum, isn't it? Because the the games that would benefit the most would do so because they sold poorly the first time and were flawed in some way. That makes it harder to make the uh, you love this Alex capitalistic case to do it. (laughs) But for example, the Wii U games that are being ported to Switch, like I can see why the Wii U sold like shit and. The Switch isn't backwards compatible, so okay, you put it in a cartridge and okay. It makes more sense, but 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 Skyrim you can play it like on a toaster. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, there's not actually that many ports of Skyrim out there. Like it's like there's the you've got the PS3, the Xbox 360 generation, then you have PS4 mm-hmm. and Xbox mm-hmm. One, you have PC and Nintendo Switch. It's not that many. And oh, there's the Amazon that funny one that they did, which was like basically the joke, right? Like so, and you got that one, right? Um, and then they made a VR game. So it's like ultimately there's the VR re-releases. There's also yeah. Blades, which got an and uh, a mobile yeah, and a Switch Skyrim. release. I, it's a separate game, but it uses all the same assets. Yeah, but again, it's not Skyrim, right? Like it's a it, that's a stupid game. <laughs> um, mm. It was a big mistake. The VR one's interesting. I played part of the VR. I played the VR one for a while. Actually, it was it was pretty cool. But Skyrim's that game where I played it once and I loved it. And then I always see it again and I want to go play it. And then I start playing it and I go, right, this is a game from fucking like 2011. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> um, but talking about other remasters like you're talking about, to me, what's interesting about remasters versus this re-release thing is that like you see Skyrim, Skyrim is already so good foundationally that they just re-release it with slight upgrades, right? Like, eh, it's a little prettier now because we got better shit. Oh, we put mods in it that were made because it's nice, you know? Um, the special edition's like, here's all the DLC and shit. But, like, we didn't really have to redo much because it's a good game. Um, whereas you have the GTA games. And what I think is interesting about these games is they're being recreated, like, they're being remade in Unreal Engine instead of their older engine. So I'm really curious to see if, like, what this means like is this really going to be like a a substantial because they're calling it a remaster right and like i don't know i'm almost more disappointed by remasters than i am by re-releases because a re-release at least i'm just kind of like i know what i'm getting but then a remaster like implies that you're putting more work into it and i'm like it's a gray area for sure yeah right and they're usually just kind of like fine and you're like what was the point you know like why not just remake this right instead of putting like a shiny coat of paint on it and being like (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah or, or why did you even bother with the do-over um mm-hmm. i think because we were talking about this in the the prior track of days a strange journey is an interesting example of that where when they remastered it for 3ds um like yeah they've added a few demons yeah they've, they've pretty fired some of the models a little bit and they've added an extra section but the extra section arguably detracts more than it adds and for that little effort that they've done and put in it's almost like why did you bother yeah, and I, I think that that's the issue with the the remasters, where re-release, you know, if nothing else, it's just accessibility for future um, consoles and generations and everything else. With a remaster, it's not always a purely positive set of changes. Yeah, um, and and you haven't necessarily got the pros that you get with a full remake that soften that blow if there are things that are changed or removed. Yeah, and so a re- it's a weird one. And I suppose a re-release is also just a port, right? Like, I mean, really, we could just use the same words. It's just a port to another system. Um, yeah. But I suppose there is a difference, too, because I guess... This is getting into the weeds of, of, like, the way we call these things, but I suppose in my head, I always think of a port as being, like, this game has only come out on this one, and now it's coming out on this other console of this era, whereas re-release is always You think in my of it mind. as intragen, yeah. Yeah, right? You think of it, yeah, it's like, oh, they're re-releasing this on a new generation versus, oh, they're just putting this on another thing, right? Um, like Hades, for instance, I wouldn't call it a re-release when it came on the Xbox and and on like the playstation it's just like oh they ported it there but at the same time it kind of is but like because like they had a whole big to do about it and uh it probably made a lot of money again so yeah well they, you'd hope so the amount that they've clearly spent on ads i haven't been able to move on the internet for hades adverts for ps4 and 5 and, which, and game pass too well there you go wasted effort because i played it on pc and i'm not playing it again oh yeah <laughs> i played it on my switch and i'm good um yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's it's interesting because I'm also getting to the point now where like, as I'm playing with backwards compatibility, like having the Xbox has really shifted my brain a little bit too because like PlayStation, as we all know, is garbage for backwards compatibility. And for a time I thought, no big deal. But like playing on the Xbox, like going back to games like Enslaved and like I kind of want to play through Jade Empire at, one, at some point here. And like I played through Knights of the Old Republic 2 recently and like, being able to pop in these older games and like a lot of them still fundamentally function well and they actually end up functioning better on the newer hardware to the point where it's like should we re-release these games or should we just let people play them in the old way you know what i mean um so it's, mm-hmm. you know like I- i'm starting to think like maybe backwards compatibility solves the re-release problem but of course it makes them less money because you can't charge <laughs> $60 for Jade Empire, it's 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, well, Nintendo know that all too well, charging for the fifth time in a row for Mario Bros. again. Oh, again. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, what was I going to say then? Yeah, because, well, uh, the Mario Brothers, the, the three 3D ones that came out, those are remasters? <laughs> uh, no, no, they, they are they are whole fresh games in their own right. I was more referring to like... No, sorry, I was Nintendo's... talking about the 64 uh, Sunshine and... Um galaxy oh they, yeah so that that collection which is now unavailable to purchase yeah. legally although there are better versions floating around on the seven seas mm-hmm. um yeah they they I, nominally had made minor changes mm-hmm. but i think the games are still 16 by 9 at least 64 in sunshine and modders for a long time very easily and very quickly had uh adjusted um those two games to be native four by three. Mm. And it's 
for Nintendo, you know, a wait, big company wait, wait, has the bare sorry. minimum that should be expected. Do you mean native 16 by 9? Like they're 4 by 3. Whichever one's the better yeah, one. So, yeah, 4 by 3 is the is the small like CRT style square box and 16 square. by 9 is right, the right, right. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah, I know what you're saying. It was, yeah. it now Don't you apologize. That's me using the wrong terminology, but yes. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Sony used to be quite good with backwards compatibility. Uh, and then Jim, who the fuck would want to play a PS1 game? Ryan came along. And uh, it stopped being the case. Like my playthrough of Vagrant Story, like that—that's a version I bought on PSN yeah. that I'm playing on my Vita. Just works. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. And on the hacked one, you can do a lot of compatibility stuff, and you can get just about any PS1 game running on it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's with the native emulator that's built into that console. Um, the only saving grace is just as those consoles become more and more like standardized off the shelf, effectively PC hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, the the case for bringing them forward or not becomes harder and harder to make from the negative side of things. It, it's just hard to justify not having backwards compatibility yeah. or not just being able to pop the disc in and it just works. Because you haven't really got to do a compatibility layer. It's just a computer. Yeah. And it's all standard. You know, there's no PS3, um, whatever the hell they did with the internals in that. That's you haven't got some thing, yeah. Cell architecture, that's the one. Yeah, you, you haven't got some arcane proprietary setup that is cool if you put the effort in and do it just right and in some instances even outperforms current hardware, mm. but is also a bitch to work with initially, let alone port. Yeah, and it's interesting because like, I also think there's a case to be made. Like Some games you go back to genuinely, you're just like, ooh, don't control so good no more. And like I think the early mm-hmm. GTA games, for sure, you go back to them and you're a little bit like, yeah, this was made at a different time. So, like, for yeah. me, that's an example of why I'm like, yeah, I can see a remaster being made of these for sure. But then you have things like Final Fantasy Pixel remasters, which uh, why are worse than the SNES games. <laughs> so I'm like, I mean, that that is stretching yeah. the term remaster. I know. Okay, uh, seriously, like, if I posted What's this more too, like a remaster. Yeah, because serious. Okay, and I know, I know, I know that when pixel art, you duplicate the art. At times, like some tiles duplicate, but like they used grass tiles on the trees, and the the trees look like grass. I, it's it really hurts my brain, and like the text font was bad. <laughs> huh? <laughs> nah, the the developers like like Square solved the making tile sets blend well problem decades ago. Yeah. There is no excuse for a a existing game being prettified to have that kind of problem when your one job is making them look pretty again that's literally what because it's called they're, they're pixel not even, remaster <laughs> they're not even bringing forward some of the bonus content from some of the prior mm-hmm. what could actually be called remasters mm-hmm. you know like one or two dawn of souls on the gba yeah. like um like the, like for the extra content from the yes final fantasy for the psp version um or even the extra content from, and I understand this is because they weren't the pixel versions, like the 3D versions of 3 and 4. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's just fucking unforgivable, of course it is. It's an actual joke. <laughs> and I heard too, like, I mean, there was rumors too a while back that they were remaking The Last of Us, and I was like, that is... Again, again, yeah. The biggest yes, like, why? <laughs> that game is great! Like, I replayed it recently. There's a PS4 version, you know? <laughs> like, I replayed it, and it's really good. 
basically Skyrim though. Came out on the PS3, remastered yeah. for PS4, remastering again for PS5. But I heard that they're remaking. This is the thing. Like the rumors at least are that they're remaking. If they remaster it, that whatever. Uh my thought is there's a there's a TV show a coming. And they're probably like, watch the HBO show and play the brand new glorious remake with Pedro Pascal's face. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I, know, like I mean, I doubt it, but could you imagine, like, honest to God? Like, no, I, I can't I, imagine. No, That's why I'm so I wouldn't right put now. it past them because, like, remember what they <laughs> yeah. fucking did with Spider-Man? It's, uh, they fucking, Insomniac, they changed Spider-Man's it's face. Up. And it, it's so fucking dumb oh, looking. Yeah. He's supposed to be older. I played it without the fucked face and it looked great. And then they did it to, and they're like, it's not to make him look more like Tom Holland. And I was like, Go fuck yourself. Oh, I was like, yeah. bull fucking mm-hmm. shit. That wasn't a part of the thought. I am certain a Sony exec was like, hey, can we make him look more like Tom? And I'm like, no doubt at all. Anyway. Um, yeah. I was thinking, like, um, there are, like, vision novels and toy games that get, like, rem- remakes or remaster with either, um, either, like, predefined the art or leaving the art as is, depending, like, where. Uh, like when are, and where are you making like the board of it mm-hmm. but one uh, a couple of examples that really caught my eye is first of all the Tsukihime remaster mm. because I played that game like as a fan translation and you have to go through the seven seas to actually get that one and they are making like a Switch and PS4 remake and they are changing like some of the character designs. And from what I gathered is that they are not remastering like the full game, but the near side of the moon routes of the game. So you don't have like the full experience. And from what a friend of mine, the one who recommended me Tsukihime said, the far side of the moon is like where more thrilling. Mm. Um, it's like the 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 better part of the game, I want to say. Which is why so, you used to buy that when they make it as its own separate thing. Yeah, Alas, yeah, Final like, Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. yeah, it's I guess it's a little bit like Hakuoki, but like with Hakuoki, they added six more routes, so they split the game into the not not like three uh, six routes and six routes, like the first half and the second half. And we, for Westerners, got that treatment while Japan got, like, the full version later on for the beta. Ugh. That sucks. Uh, anyways, like, um, the thing with the Tsukihime remake, not on, besides the why would you split the game, um, the interesting part is this opens up the door for uh, an actual localization of the game. Hmm. Oh, so Which, if you remake, then you can localize because you're already doing the project, right? Is that the idea? Yeah, because like um, that already happened with a lot of Atomic Games that made the jump to the Switch and then they are getting like the localization hmm. that happened with Theophyria. And not only that, they are some Theophyria actually got a sequel. So in the other hand, like you have Amnesia and the Hakuoki games that to be fair, it seems like Japanese players are getting sick of them, but they are like getting all these fan discs on Switch. So that might be like a clue of a rem- or a, of a localization coming because they are now they can now localize the thing like for an actual like console that 
has a wider audience here in the West. Well, so was, I was just going to say, too, that's sort of the case of the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, right? Like, I mean, the reason basically yeah. they're making a Switch collection is for the West, right? Because it's not selling well in Japan, because why would it? They had all the games. There's not that much different. But in the West, it's selling great. <laughs> they're like, yep. nice. It's like, might as well, if you're going to remaster something in Japan, at least, and it was never localized, you might as well do it now. <laughs> Open it up. Yeah, especially like on the Switch because everything, even the niche stuff, is selling way yeah. better than for sure back in the Vita game. Well, days. there's just so many more people who own one, so it's like, you know, sorry Vita, but like there's just so many more you know people who have a Switch, so it's just it's just gonna sell better. Anyway, that was a uh, I don't know. To be fair, like the Vita like made room for the Switch to be successful oh. because many of the IPs the Switch is getting came from the Vita first, so. The yeah. switch stands on the Vita's shoulders, and doesn't anyone ever forget it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's let's uh, let's head on then, because we're we've been going for a while. Um, that was our our little chat about remasters. I don't know, maybe we'll talk again at some point. That was just a free flowing chat on it. But uh, let's get down to how long to beat the game. Rick, tell us what are we playing for this week? <laughs> right. Okay. So. If you want to re-roll this, I will leave it up to you two. Uh, WWE 2K14. <laughs> 2K14? Okay, can we just see what another one would be? And then let's choose the one between them. Because 2K14, that's a weird one. I don't know, man. Yep. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Although it's not clear which version that is. The alternative is Rayman 3 Hoodlum Havoc. Let's do WWE. Rayman 3 why don't we do let's it? Do we do it? Yeah, okay. let's do it. Let's do it. Because Rayman 3 is this kind of platformer. We've yeah. done so many platformers. We've never done a sports game before. Um, I'm kind of scared by what the completion time on this is going to be. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Uh... <laughs> uh, WWE 2K14. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. If it helps, it's got Dwayne The Rock Johnson on the front of it. Nice. Dwayne The Rock Johnson on the front of that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Was this one one of the ones that was seen as good? Um, oh, you're asking the wrong yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, sorry. Uh, went away. Which game are we? Uh, I, I know it's misleading, he... but Paolo isn't a big wrestling fan, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Huh? We're doing WWE 2K14. Oh. Yeah. Um... yeah. <laughs> Well, WWE Pokey Poor Team. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Right, you, you have to play the game now, Pala. It's uh, them's the rules. <laughs> Please, no. Uh, <laughs> I refuse. Objection. Right. Hmm. I'm going to go. 10 hours, main. Yeah. 40. Two hours main plus. Holy shit! And okay. for like, I, I think it's a big one. I've, we, I've lowballed for the past two weeks, and Uve's rightly ripped me in the Discord for it. <laughs> yeah, highball this time. I was, I, I'm going to say just for the record, I think the hundred percent would be like two hundred plus, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put a time down for it. Yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're probably on in that, in that regard. I'm trying to. Like I'm, I'm reading the Wikipedia page, and it says it has like the campaign is thirty years of WrestleMania, so oh I guess God. that's for the main. 
<laughs> I would assume. Uh, so. Including 45 matches. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, then you have the strike mode. Uh, if you say so. And you have to. No, you add strike mode. Uh, you have to get like a winning streak of 21 matches or something like that. Oh. I think this is in the high end of games, but I think you're on the right. I, th- I think you're on the right track, Rick, with like this kind of like in the tens and the forty. But I think I feel like this is okay because like the two K games. Because I'm I'm gonna pull on basketball, which I know is not wrestling, but I played the basketball ones, and they always have a glut of modes. Like I, I always feel like there's just like a fuckzillion modes in them. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 18 hours main. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and I'm gonna do. I know you hate it. And I'm not even going to try a hundred because I think, so I don't, I don't think it's quite in the two hundreds. Like I think it's probably in the like sixties, the seventies. Um, I just that is a low ball, hundred percent for a sports game. That's a low ball. Okay. Uh, the amount eight. of hours I've lost to FIFA manager modes. That is absolutely a low ball. Yeah, but I'm just thinking like full on 100. I'm not because I'm not thinking like how many times. I'm not thinking multiplayer times. I think that's crazy. But I'm thinking like oh no 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 neither am I. No. Yeah. Oh wait, does this include the DLC? Because I just read it has three DLC packs. Oh my god. I, I don't know. Usually that's separate, isn't it? Well, I actually, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um. My time's locked in. I'm gonna have a look. It doesn't appear to include any DLC power. Okie dokie. Mm, okay, I uh, think like the main campaign may be a little bit shorter. Though there are, how long does a match take for this game? I'm gonna That's go 11 hours. Thing. I think 18 is too high. I think I'm too. I think I'm going way too high. <laughs> I'm gonna go 11 hours, but with a half there. Of course you are. Oh. Uh, I don't know what the the main plus and one hundred percent times are. Like, how do you even guess here? Alex, okay. you fully price is right at me. That I am price is right at you. I'm doing eleven <laughs> hours and forty hours and thirty minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you just talked me down because, like, you you've got experience with these sports games, so I'm convinced you know what you're talking about. Now I've stitched you up. I, I mean, swear okay. to Christ, if, if I was right, I'd be so upset. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm going to go 11 hours and I have 37 hours and 90, 90 hours for 90, 100%. 100%. Paolo's going for all five, baby. I've said 10 and 42. I'm going to cry. Alex has said 11 and 40 and a half. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. So it looks like three points each for me and Alex. So hey! main, Damn it. Sto- main story is nine and a half hours. Okay. Main and extra is 42 and a half hours. Okay. So you've just edged it in. And um, completionist. Do either of you want to hazard a guess as what the completionist number is? Over 100? Is it 150? Uh, yeah. Over 100. Over 200? Uh, over 200. Motherfucker. Two, 300? 250, 260. 268. Motherfuck. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I told you it'd be 200 plus. I told you. I was greedy. Wow. Okay. 
Well, the score is now is 79 Rick, 77 Alex, and uh, no, wait, 76 Alex. And um, yeah, no, 77. Oh my God. 77, you're on 74. Can I even do math? I can't. And 65 for Paola. You're you're getting further behind there, Paola. You got to get up here. I need to catch up. Yeah. Somehow. Hang on, what am I doing? I'm making a mess of our document while I'm trying to like. Rick, stop! What I'm trying to do. I got you. I got you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Little peek behind the curtain for the audience. Yeah, there you go. Um, All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Next week, I'm sure will also be a lot of completions because it's still vacation week for Alex. (laughs) Talk to you all then. Take it easy.